Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Practical Prepping Podcast. We wanted to touch on a very serious topic right now and actually revisit one of our previous podcasts regarding mental health awareness and suicide prevention. We do believe that this is a very serious topic and is worth revisiting again. So stay tuned for Practical Prepping Podcast. Practical Prepping Podcast. We're helping everyday people become prepared for whatever emergencies come our way. Where gear is good, but knowledge is better because the more you know, the less you have to carry. We're your hosts, Mark and Krista Lawley. We would like to thank our sponsors, Proline Digital Group and Base Handgun Training System for today's episode. I've built quite a few websites over the years for businesses we've owned or been involved with, so it made sense that I build a website when we were coming out with practical prepping for everyday people. So, I went to work and built a site, and it looked good for the 1990s. One of my daughters said simply, Dad, no. I had not stayed up on my website design skills, and apparently it showed. Is your website old and tired? Does it look dated? Is it easy to maneuver, easy to shop, easy to buy online? Maybe it's time to call ProLine Digital Group. Eric and his team stepped in and built a beautiful, modern website that's easy to use, and it's scalable so it can grow as we grow. Get in touch with ProLine Digital Group today. There's a link on our website, or go to ProLineDigitalGroup.com. Many of us learned to shoot from our friends or families. We got pretty good at loading up and blasting away at our target. But do we know what we need to know to survive a self-defense shooting? How about an active shooter? Or using cover and concealment? Do you know the difference and why one is better than the other? Get the base handgun training system and you can know the answers to those questions. You'll also cover shoot-don't-shoot scenarios and what to do when the police arrive. The Base Handgun Training System. Check it out. The link is on our website at www.practicalprepping.info. Use the code PRACTICALPREPPING, all one word, for a $50 discount. The subject that we're going to talk about today is a rather somber subject. It's quite serious. It's a serious subject, and we're talking about depression and suicide. And there is a reason, a prepper reason, that we're going to go through this. But it's more about your health and the health of those that you love. It seems that suicides increase around the holidays. And we have seen that locally recently as the rate of suicide has escalated through the holidays. And when we talk about suicide, it's the 10th leading cause of death in the United States. And that rate has increased by 33% in the 20-year period from 1999 till 2019. And somewhere around 45 to 50,000 deaths annually are attributed to suicide in the United States. There's another sobering fact here. In the year 2019, there were actually 47,500 suicides. There were 1.4 million attempted suicides, and there were 3.5 million people who made plans to commit suicide. 
It affects all ages. It's the second leading cause of death from ages 10 to 34. It's the fourth leading cause from ages 35 to 44, and the fifth leading cause from age 45 to 54. And some groups have higher rates than others, Native Americans, Alaskan Natives, and non-Hispanic whites have a higher-than-average suicide rate. It's also particularly high among our veterans today. You know, you had mentioned a few minutes ago that it it can become increasingly difficult around the holiday period. Mm-hmm. A lot of people who don't even realize that they may be suffering with depression and the symptoms of depression, they feel particularly affected at this time of year because all of society and the community, the neighborhood, the schools, the churches, the workplace, everyone is saying, be happy, be jolly, have a great time, enjoy your family, have blessings, be Merry Christmas, happy. There's a lot of what people call forced joy that they just don't feel. And a lot of folks are sitting there and saying, what's wrong with me? Why am I not happy? And they're seeing that forced joy and they're thinking there's something wrong with them. Well, and the thing is, they're actually right in a sense that there can be something wrong. And we've noticed, too, that it makes absolutely no difference what socioeconomic class you mm-hmm. happen to be in. You can be very wealthy. You could be the lowest in the poverty. Or every stage in between, there seems to be a no respecter of persons when it comes to real clinical depression, which we're going to differentiate between just a temporary case of the blues in contrast to a literal clinical medical depression. Yeah, depression's more than just feeling down or having the blues. Everybody goes through that from time to time, and it's, you know, that can come about from anything. But we're talking about clinical depression, which is very, very real. Now, often it's a chemical imbalance, and it affects around 8% of adults in the United States. It also affects children, and it has a higher rate in women than in men. Yes, uh, mild depression can easily be treated with medication, sometimes even just verbal therapy or seeking some sort of psychological counseling. There are certain pastors who have degrees and experience with counseling. Sometimes just talking it over with your medical doctor sometimes can help as well. And we do encourage you to talk with your doctor because there are medications that will easily treat mild depression. And so we just encourage you to reach out to your doctor and discuss that with them. Now, moderate to severe depression, really the difference is the severity of the symptoms and the duration of the symptoms. The moderate to severe depression begins to interfere with the ability to function. You see an inability to function at school, at work, at home, in social activities, but treatment is available as well. Now, treatment for severe depression goes beyond just a simple medication issue, but discuss that with your doctor, and they will help you through that. Talk about the signs and symptoms of clinical depression. This is very important, so I want you to really listen to some of these, because 
we may be describing something that you're experiencing and perhaps this is going to be a great way to help you because that's our purpose. We want to be able to equip you with knowledge and to help you seek the right proper path for you. Some of the symptoms would include these, a loss of interest or withdrawal from your normal activities, avoiding social activities. For example, if you're one who easily goes to the movies or attends church or visits with the neighbors or goes out with your friends or even just gets at home on the social network, if suddenly that is of no interest to you and you can't seem to get excited about the things that used to interest you, that may be cause for some concern. Feelings of hopelessness. The notion that nothing you do makes a difference and that nothing that happens to you makes a difference, a complete, utter hopelessness. Feeling pessimistic, the glass half-empty person, total negativity, fatigue or lack of energy. Sometimes that can even manifest as being too much sleeping where you just cannot seem to be awake. You're in some sort of a fog most of the day. Or on the opposite, if you have difficulty sleeping, a lot of insomnia suddenly creeping in, difficulty concentrating, you're in a room, you're hearing someone, but you're really not listening. You just don't seem to have an interest in what they're saying. A lack of motivation. When you just can't seem to get yourself up out of the bed or out of the chair to go do the normal activity and everyday things you do. A decrease in your productivity. If you're someone who is accustomed to cleaning up your whole house, getting that garage in order, getting all your files in order at work, or making sure that you've got all your check boxes marked, and suddenly you just aren't doing it, you're just not doing those things, that decrease in productivity could be a symptom. Another one is a sudden onset of irritability, uh, grumpiness, crankiness, something that's really out of uh, sync with your normal personality. Or if you begin to engage in risky behaviors, and this could entail all sorts of things. Some have described it as a sudden urge to start gambling all your money. Or uh, you take up smoking or drinking where you haven't been a smoker or drinker before, or you're just engaging in risky behavior. Suddenly you want to start speeding in your car for no apparent reason. These types of things could trigger or signal that something is different in your thinking processes. If you've actually got some unexplained aches or pains, and this is one of the most surprising symptoms that I learned about depression and clinical depression, it can often be accompanied by physical discomfort. You actually just feel bad. It's like you've got this low-grade case of the flu. Your joints hurt, your head hurts, everything hurts, and you just can't figure out why, and you can't seem to get relief for it. If you've suddenly got a ravenous appetite or if you suddenly lose your appetite, so your weight might go up or your weight may go down drastically, that could be a symptom. A lack of emotional control. You're sitting there minding your own business, you're in the coffee shop, you're reading a book, and then suddenly you just break out in tears. You don't even know what you're crying about. You're sad, you're just overwhelmed, and the more you try to stop, the worse it gets. Or you may be breaking out in... Uh, laughter or or outburst verbal outbursts that just seem out of sequitur that's just not normal for the situation or thoughts of harming yourself 
the that's where you have drifted into extremely serious territory where you think okay i'm a problem the world would be better off without me if i was off the scene everything would be fine i'm the problem i need to take myself out of see that is a completely unhealthy mindset it is not at all normal to think that way it's not at all healthy or productive to think that way and that's when you know that you may really be into serious clinical depression it's an illness a sickness not unlike any other that would come upon you and yet people still do feel a certain amount of stigma about admitting that maybe they've got some disturbing thoughts and that they seem a little reluctant to seek help for it. And that is the very time that you do need to seek help. I want to just tell you this. After all of this list of symptoms, I want you to think about this for a moment. If you've had five or more of any of this list of symptoms for two or more weeks, you very well may have medical, clinical depression, and it's time to seek help. You know, we are in the midst of a mental health crisis, not only in this country, but in a lot of countries around the world. And as you said, a lot of people still see it as a stigma, and that's changing. Clinical depression is a medical issue, and it's not something that we can will away. Within the last two years, there's been a significant rise in self-reported depression and anxiety. It's going up every day. And with the lockdowns and with people not being around other people as much, it goes up even further. We see a significant rise in mental health visits to the emergency room. And we've seen a 50% rise in suicide attempts by adolescent girls. Now, you're probably asking yourself, what would be the contributing factors? And this is going to be a matter of opinion, but it's just something that we're putting in there because we're trying to figure out what would be some of the run-up, as it were, to someone? Well, these first three are my personal opinion, and, and I believe that, and some of the others are... Actual, factual. Well, Uh some of them are factual. Some of them are just well-known to be uh, contributing factors. But I go further back. I I go back to a point where we took God out of our schools. When we threw God out of our schools, we opened the door for Satan and his demons to to come in. Well, you're saying because... There was a bit of a moral code, as it were, and it was an understanding. And even for people who didn't necessarily believe in God the Almighty, there was a certain amount of respect for that code, and there was a system of rules in place to protect children, to protect students, to... And you had that influence. Right. You had that spiritual influence. It was definitely there. And we've come to a point of subjective morality. Yeah, what is subjective morality? Well, what's what's moral for you may or may not be moral for me. You know, the modern phrase now is, I want to live my truth. I want to speak my truth. And my input on that is, truth is truth. If it has to be my truth or your truth, that's where it falls into opinion. It's not necessarily truth. Yeah, now there, there's a difference in my truth and what is true for me. For example, you have red hair. That is truth for you. I don't have red hair. That's true. Thankfully, I have hair, but (laughs) it's brown. So 
red hair is truth for you, but people have taken it to where they differentiate truth to be what they want it to be. Right. They, they feel that rules and laws and regulations are cramping their right to choose how they want to live their lives. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people feel like laws, the laws that protect children, may need to come off the books. Maybe they don't want children to be protected. There are people out there, honestly, mm-hmm. who want to harm children. And I know we might be digressing a little bit, but we're seeing society being pulled away from morality into the subjective lifestyle of, well, whatever you think is right is right. Well, I don't believe that harming children is right, but there are some people who do. So there seems to be this moral shift, and a lot more of the world's people are subscribing their thoughts and behaviors. And I can see that that's going to cause a lot of mental anguish. Mm -hmm. That's going to cause some confusion in very young people who are just just learning about rules or or maybe they're living with parents who don't want any kind of rules and these children are left to their own devices and I don't know about you but I've raised kids and I know that those children need structure and guidance yeah and that's that's my third point here in my own personal opinion is a contributing factor is a lack of parenting mm-hmm. there seems to be a hands-off idea among some Yeah, things have gone so far that, you know, parents are afraid to spank their children because they're afraid that the child will tell on them and they'll wind up talking with DHR. Well, and see, what what we're trying to tell you here is that we're seeing that society is being pushed in a million different directions when, in fact, what we really need to get back to is the Ten Commandments and a moral center. And well, you know, Scripture says to raise up a child in the way that they should go, and when they're old, they'll not depart from it. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean that they won't wander away, but we are, we as parents, have a responsibility to teach our children right from wrong. Well, that's. it also was disturbing when I read the statistics that you had here about the number of very, very young, even single-digit aged children who are now seeking psychiatric care because they're being raised in a way that is just ludicrous. They're being told, pick your own way, do what Mm -hmm. you think is right. Well, how many six-year-olds are going to know what to do if they're not given any kind of guidance? And so what we're seeing here We may see the run-up to a lot of mental anguish that leads a person, that leads them into a clinical depressive state when it's so unnecessary. Another contributing factor, and and this is absolutely true, and that is the isolation or the exclusion of people today. And when I talk about isolation or exclusion, people are isolating themselves and excluding the rest of the world. How many times do we see people that are so into video games that nothing else matters? Oh, they're completely, they're they're laser focused to the point that you, you know, your house could be on fire and they're not even going to notice it. They exclude everything else. We saw it in the COVID lockdowns. Children have lost a year Mm -hmm. in their development because they've been isolated They've been excluded from some of the things that they should have been enjoying, like interaction with other children. There's been so much fear instilled over COVID, and we see it today 
we see them talking about a winter of death and a winter. They're creating fear over this new Omicron variant, which has the symptoms of a cold. And so, and it doesn't matter whether you're vaccinated or not. And they're instilling fear in people in order to be able to control people. But what's happening is it's going to cause that fear to bleed over into other things and cause people to have anxiety in life Mm -hmm. because they're afraid of everything. And that's where a lot of mental illness has its root is just worry, fear, and anxiety. Mm -hmm. And the media and the popular culture that erodes young people, people's sense of Mm self-worth, their sense of self-respect is gone. And when their self-respect is gone, their respect for others can often follow. We see a rise in crime and a rise in barbaric activity because what happens is that person doesn't value their own life. Therefore, they don't feel of any value for your life. Now, just look at something. We were raised to say, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am. And if we spoke to an adult and just say yes and did not follow yes or no with ma'am or sir, we got a little smack on the back of the head a lot of times. Well, there was a reminder there, of showing respect. There was a reminder respect. that we were res- to respect older folks, and it didn't necessarily have to be the elder But if it was older than us, we were to show respect. But you just pay attention to how many children today will go, yeah, to an adult. Or you may actually hear a discourse between a child and their parent, and you cannot believe the words that are coming out of that child's mouth to that parent. And that parent stands there dumbfounded, impotent, and and powerless. Yeah, I would have woke up the following week. Yeah, I mean, we're not saying that our parents would have been violent, but I will tell you this. There is no way that I would have even thought to say the words that I hear some children say to their parents. And what I'm seeing is these are parents that believe that they've got to be BFF friends with their young children, and they've they've spoiled these children rotten, and they feel like that's the right parenting move to make when what happens is that child grows up disrespecting this genie in a bottle for a parent. They only see them as the provider of things, and when things don't go their way or they fail at something or they're denied something or disappointed, they don't have the skills to cope with the regular, ordinary things that happen to any one of us. I mean, our parents actually taught us how to fail and survive it and mm-hmm. to come up from that, and that you learn a lot when you're disappointed. Mm-hmm. You learn a lot when you don't get your way. You learn a lot when you have compassion or unselfishness toward another human being that maybe you have to learn how to be happy for someone else. But we have some young people today, and they're in severe mental crisis because they don't have the guidance that they need, and there's a biological need for it, there's a spiritual need for it, there's an emotional need for it, and there's a physical need for it. And we see children in mental crisis today, and they're growing up to be disturbed teenagers, they're growing up to be disturbed college-age kids, and they're growing up to be disturbed young adults. And they've got decades of mental anguish, and some of them are truly ill, and they need treatment. They need doctors, and they need heart treatment for their spirit as well. 
And one of the things that contributes to this is the impact of social media platforms. No doubt. These can reinforce negative behaviors. It reinforces bullying. It reinforces the exclusion. And we see endless bad news coming out on 24-7 on social media, and it, it affects these children. And parents wonder what's going on. I saw something really interesting the other day on mainstream media. A major broadcast network was stating that they were concerned about the mental health crisis affecting adolescent children, and their advice was to turn off the networks. Hmm. And I thought, now that's interesting. You are basically admitting that you are nothing but mainstream media bad news 24-7, round the clock, Sunday to Sunday, and that your advice to help these kids is for them to tune you out as a network. That should have been a huge wake-up call for a lot of the news copywriters out there thinking, you know, we're, we're contributing to a lot of this anguish. And so they gave good advice, and I think it's great advice. Turn that television off. Go read. Go work. Go do something. I've had to back off on the amount of news that I read. Now, I scan a lot of headlines, and I did a episode, I think the last episode was on the media and how to deal with the media and the things that are coming at us, how to interpret what they're actually saying. And I scan a lot of things, and I don't go through and I read, don't read every bit of that article. I look for the meat of it. I look for the important parts. And I will usually, when reading an article, I'll usually spend 20 or 30 seconds on it. And I just go ahead because there's so much fluff and puff in there that if the headline does not pertain to something that I'm following, then I just scroll on by. Well, let me ask you this. We're getting back to as it relates to prepping. This topic that we're on tonight, talking about depression, anxiety, and suicide. How do you relate that to those of us that are into preparedness? Taking out the total collapse of society into the world as we know it, and what I'm thinking here is you know, we're going to experience those what we call normal events. We're going to experience those power outages We're going to experience those snowstorms, those ice storms. We're going to experience things that put us on our own for a week or two weeks or something like that. Think about middle America right now. I'm thinking the tornadoes up through Kentucky. I know it covered five or six states, but I'll just use Kentucky. Those folks are still dealing with the aftermath of those tornadoes and Mm -hmm. will be for quite some time. A long time. And so if we are into a situation where we are bottled up for two weeks, look at the two week to flatten the curve. We pretty much now I still continue to go to work because of my line of work. I'm a deputy sheriff and we couldn't stay home, but we didn't interact with people near as much. In fact, we went to answering emergency calls only and everything else was done by telephone. But that puts us isolated. And if we have clinical depression and we get into this type of situation, we're going to need to continue to function. And we may be in isolation and we may experience some withdrawals, withdrawals of information. Television may be down, radio, Internet, can't get to social media, can't play video games. 
people's normal avenues of escape will not be there mm-hmm. or may not be there. So if we're in a situation involving depression or anxiety, we need to get that treated. We need to go and get medical help. We need to find a way to channel that activity toward making us more healthy. If it requires medication, if it requires therapy, whatever it requires, we need to get to a point of good mental health before anything happens. And getting to a good mental health is just as important as getting to a good physical health when it comes to dealing with SHTF situations. And I'm putting in that things like the tornadoes. I'm putting in that things like snowstorms and we're isolated and it just upsets our entire apple cart. Well, you're also addressing people who may have a house full of kids who don't really know what it feels like to be thoroughly and completely locked down or without their video game. I mean, have you ever tried to take a video game away from someone That's a dangerous situation. It can be tricky. And I'm just saying that for those of you that are into preparedness and you have teenagers or adolescent kids or even single-digit aged kids, elementary school-aged kids, you know what you're dealing with. You know your kids very well. And you need to be thinking about making certain that they've got places for their mind to go that are healthy areas to travel in mentally if they were to be without that precious video game or without that precious device or social media, you know, we're going to have to go back old school on some things. We're going to have to learn how to read books again. And I don't mean Kindle. I mean a book, out the shelf kind of thing, a book that you don't have to charge up. Okay. You open a book and read. We're going to need to get our children and ourselves back into physical labor. It has never killed anybody to work hard. My dad used to say that. He said, no one ever died from working hard. And there's a lot of truth to that. He even gave me, this is a fun fact, he gave me an interesting fact about the people of Soviet Georgia across the world. They're living to be 110, 112, 116, some of them. And they're out there chopping wood and milking cows and stringing fence and digging holes. These are 111-year-old people. And they're the ones who said, no one, none of us have ever died from working hard. And I think that we've got a society that has everything so convenient that we don't have to work hard. And I'm talking about physically working, making those muscles burn, you know, manual labor, manual labor. And you're going to find that not only does that make your day go faster, but you'll see that you have contributed positively to whatever your emergency situation might be. If you're going to be locked down this is a great time to get some things done, maybe around your house, your farm, your yard, your apartment. Right, but we, we need to be in the proper state going into that. We and that's do. why I'm addressing this today. Depression is very real. That's true. But help is available. And there's also hope. There's always hope. There's always hope. As Jack Spearco says, if you can still fog a mirror, You've you still purpose. have purpose. You've got purpose. So talk to your doctor. Uh, just be open. Uh, there is help available. And if you're having thoughts of harming yourself, write this number down. This is the Suicide Prevention Helpline, and we will put this in the show notes. 
and I will put this on the website as well. That number is 1-800-273-8255. Again, that's 1-800-273-8255. And if we can be of any help to you, please feel free to email us, and we will get back with you as quickly as we can. And we might even be able to set up a phone call and talk with you if you need us to do that. Anything else you want to add before we go? Well, we just want to make sure that you understand how seriously we take this topic and subject. We have had family members that have been affected by clinical depression. We have traveled that road with them. We know how serious and how important it is to get help and to stick with it until you're all the way better. And we'll see you next time. You can reach us on Facebook at Practical Prepping. You can email us at info at practicalprepping.info. And our website is practicalprepping.info. Thank you for listening to Practical Prepping Podcast. So that you never miss an episode, click on that subscribe button. And remember, stuff happens. Stay prepared.